You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Nightmares. Most of us have experienced them, how they feel real while you're having them and linger after you're awake. When children have nightmares, especially recurring ones, it can be hard to calm them down. As an adult, it's much easier to separate, I think, your imagination from reality sometimes, particularly when you're half asleep. They may even end up being afraid or anxious about going to bed. Dr. Chris Seaton is a paediatric and adolescent sleep physician at the Woolcock Institute. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good, Siobhan. How are you? Good, thank you. Are you able to explain what's happening in our brains when we have a nightmare? I mean, a nightmare is a dream. I mean, funny definition, but it's a dream with negative content. Um, um, and so a positive dream, is a, is a, as we all wake up from positive dreams, it's sort of a nice feeling. And then nightmares are essentially scary dreams. Um, we don't know what's interesting about dreaming and nightmares is we don't know why we dream. We know when we dream. So we dream in a stage of sleep, which is called rapid eye movement. And uh, rapid eye movement sleep's the most nourishing and important sleep for all of us, but particularly for the health of children. It's the best quality sleep we can get. So in a funny way, Hearing that a child dreams is reassuring because it means they're getting good rapid eye movement sleep. A lot of the kids we see with sleep disorders and sleep problems actually never dream because their dream sleep is interrupted by breathing or snoring or the other problem that we're diagnosing. So when does rapid eye movement happen? Do we know at what point in a sleep cycle? We do when we when we do sleep studies where we measure sleep. Uh, one of the measurements we do is measuring the brain waves, and we can see uh, when a child is in dream sleep by the pattern of their their brain waves. The dream sleep brain waves are very distinct, and what we notice in kids is and babies is they have a lot more dream sleep than adults. So as you get older, you need less and less dream sleep. But certainly in kids, you need it for the physical growth, um, growth of the brain, learning, a whole lot of uh, body functions. In general, when we go to sleep, we all go into non-dream sleep initially. And non-dream sleep has four stages, numbered one to four. So we go through that. And then after the fourth stage of non-REM sleep, we go into REM or rapid eye movement sleep. And that cycle will happen four or five times a night. And what's interesting about dream sleep, as the night goes on, we have more dream sleep. So the back half of the night or the second half of the night, there's a lot more dream sleep than the front half. So as we go through the night, sleep becomes, the more we sleep, the more nourishing sleep becomes. And in fact, this is why a long nighttime sleep is much better for your health than uh, just naps during the day. Do we know why we wake up from a dream? So often in nightmares... I mean, I know that I've had this experience where you're trying to, in your dream, wake yourself up. I know I've heard of other people um, waking themselves up. They actually dream that they need to go to the bathroom and then they wake up and re- realise they need to go to the bathroom. Is there anything that connects our sort of sleeping mind to our awake mind that takes us out of a dream? Because kids will wake up from a nightmare and it feels like they've woken up in the middle of it. 
I mean, that's right. There are a few, you mentioned one of them. One of the things that sort of links the, the body and the brain in terms of waking up from dream sleep is the bladder. So that thing of um, where uh, you wake up dreaming that you need to go to the loo. And in fact, when you wake up, you go, wow, my, my bladder's full. Um, apart from that, though, in general, with kids who wake up from dreams or nightmare, it's usually not the dream content that wakes them. So they usually wake for another reason. And if you wake from dream sleep in the middle of the dream, you will remember the dream. If you don't wake in the middle of the dream and you wake you know, the next morning some hours later, you're less likely to remember or recall the dream. So really dream recall is related to how soon uh, after the dream or whether you wake up during the dream. So it's really not the, the dream or the nightmare that in general that, that wakes you up. It's the other way around. You wake up and you recall the content of the dream because you're having it or you have just just had it in the previous few minutes. And people in America have done research on this where they've actually woken kids up from dreams or from dream sleep through measuring the brainwaves and ask them what they're dreaming about. And that's how we know if you wake a child up in the middle of dream sleep, they're very likely to tell you what they're dreaming about, positive or negative. But if you wake them up from non-dream sleep, uh, they won't usually recall any any dream at all, even though they may have had one 20, 30, 40 minutes beforehand. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Chris Seaton. He's a paediatric and adolescent sleep physician at the Woolcock Institute. We're talking about dreaming, but most specifically nightmares, because if you have... Uh, young children, you quite possibly have awoken to them having had a terrible nightmare. Chris, I'm really interested and in whether there's any research to support the age children start to have nightmares. Um, I'm imagining it's connected to when they might start dreaming, but um, I remember being told that as a child's imagination develops, when they get a little bit older, say around four, that sometimes that can be what brings on nightmares because they're, they're starting to see shadows in the room and think they're monsters and that passes on into sleep. Is there any research to back that up? There's not a lot of research on dreams because certainly in Australia, it's hard to get funding to do research into dreaming because dreaming itself is not a sort of disease, I guess. But uh, a lot of Central European countries, sort of Austria and Germany and those sort of places, do dream research, probably evolving out of Freud and uh, and that sort of thing. And indeed, Freud himself thought that his toddler daughter uh, could dream at age two because he noticed in her sleep she was making a sort of talking noise and then... He heard that one night and then the next day he saw her at the front window of his house looking out onto the street and going past were horses on the cobblestone dragging carts and the horses were making the same noise going and his daughter was at the window making the same noise. So he assumed that the night before she was dreaming about horses of course, it's hard to ask a two-year-old <laughs> yes. um, what they're dreaming about. We know that the dreaming starts 
not only from birth but before birth. Um, you can measure dream sleep now in babies in the womb. Wow. And so dream sleep is, starts very, very early, uh, even in the first third, the first trimester of pregnancy. But of course, in young children, we don't really know what they are dreaming about. We suspect that sometimes when a, a little kid, two years old or under, wakes up um, upset, that on some of those occasions they'll be having uh, a nightmare. But as a parent or a doctor or a researcher, we can't prove or disprove that. So it's only really in that preschool age group, as you mentioned, where kids can relate back to their parents, uh, you know, what's, what's happening at night. And they often then have trouble separating out um, dream content from reality. And they have the same issue during the day that uh, a preschooler talking about whether zombies are real or not is a, is a sort of interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, are zombies real? Are dinosaurs real? Things like dinosaurs are, are real but don't exist currently and zombies you know, possibly never existed. So those sort of conversations are part of kids' learning and nightmares, you know, helping kids through nightmares is an important part of of their development in separating reality from um, from dream content and and imagination. Is that um, so? If you were to advise parents on how they can do that, is that basically just bringing it back to really simple things like saying, "Well, dinosaurs were real, but they're not anymore." Because sometimes it can be hard to find the language to calm a child down after a nightmare. Well, I think it's it's especially hard after a nightmare because. Um, you know, as as we've all experienced nightmares, they're they're so vivid. And even as an adult, you wake up from a nightmare, and the first few seconds while you're awake, it's sometimes hard to separate out reality and and dream content. So for little kids who have have nightmares, they are often very very distressed and not not needing just simple reassurance, but sort of ongoing reassurance. And I think talking about nightmares at other times during the day is important as well to say that, you know, everyone has them. Um, they're scary, but uh, but it's okay and they're not real. So this is in the bag of things that are not real but will be experienced by, by all kids. We worry a little bit too about the influence of what kids see before their sleep, particularly in relationship to screens and media exposure which can have a big impact on dream content. If you're exposed to negative things before you go to sleep as a little kid, the likelihood of having a nightmare increases. So we we often talk to parents about being very careful with media and screen exposure in general, but particularly in the pre-bedtime hour. Um. What if a child's having a recurring nightmare? I seem to remember I used to have a recurring nightmare when I was a kid and it'd be the same one and my dad would always have to pick me up and walk me up and down the hall just to calm me down. Is there any way of disrupting that recurrence? There's a little bit of research showing that you can potentially shift that by, again, changing content pre-sleep. So repeated positive things before sleep even uh, you know a book with a with a positive story just before bedtime 
can sometimes have a positive impact on recurrent nightmares. That is, the, the negative content, the nightmare, gets replaced by the, the positive component to which the child is exposed to before bedtime. Again, recurrent nightmares are, are very common in normal kids. So I think people think that recurrent nightmares perhaps are a sign of psychological issues, but in, in most kids, they're not. Um, so most kids with recurrent nightmares are are normal kids, so they don't need much in the way of psychological help. But I think, it's again, it's really important to ensure that the pre-bedtime period have uh, be, be very positive, be very calming. And I think we often underestimate the benefit of a, of a positive pre-bedtime um, uh, routine. Um, and, and again, in, in little kids, preschoolers and toddlers, it's extremely important for, in terms of nightmares, but it also, we know that if you have a good pre-bedtime routine and a regular bedtime, the amount of dream sleep that you have actually increases. And that's, you know, that's very, very nourishing in itself. We do see kids, they're often a little bit older than the preschoolers and toddlers that you and I are talking about. They're in um, uh, middle childhood, often six to nine years old. And some of them have quite severe recurrent nightmares in relationship to news media. For an example, when a few years ago when there were a lot of bushfires on the, on the outskirts of Sydney, um, we saw a number of kids who had recurrent nightmares, not only nightmares, but pre-bedtime fears. They were fearful that their house would burn down, even though their houses were nowhere near the bushfire zone. They became very insecure about their house burning down. They had those thoughts as pre-bedtime thoughts, having been exposed to to news and media information. And again, those negative pre-bedtime thoughts can transform into re- recurrent nightmares. So it's a sort of it's a cascade effect, if you like. Chris, it's been so interesting to talk to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Siobhan, for having me. That's Dr. Chris Seaton. He's a paediatric and adolescent sleep physician at the Woolcock Institute. And tomorrow we're going to talk about night terrors, not to be confused with nightmares. We're going to explain more about that. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.